0: verse 4. And that's what we're starting as we're continuing in our sermon series, disintegration, reintegration, and specifically looking at the topic of suffering through sickness and how suffering can lead us into joy and can lead us to be more like Jesus. So we're going to beginning with 2 Corinthians 4, starting in verse 16. This is what it says. So we do not lose heart. of sickness. We're using this terminology, disintegration, um, like being broken down. So don't think of it like dissolving, right? Or, or just just completely melting away. But think of it like Legos that are stacked up, that that if you hit them and you knock them down, they still retain somewhat of their structure, but they're not the same as if they were all together. And, and then I'll, I want us to think about suffering kind of doing that, like knocking down the Legos of our life. But then What we say is that the second half of our series we want to focus on weekly is reintegration. Now, following Jesus actually reunifies us again. It rebuilds us when we were broken down into something different, new, and even more beautiful. But what we find is, as we begin to explore this, is that suffering truly is a disintegration. It breaks us down. And different types of suffering break us down differently. And so what we're talking about today is how a sudden disease or illness that takes away the capacity to work or live independently breaks down our freedom. Really, it it, it determines, it, it challenges what we want to do with our lives. And so as I was thinking and processing through this, disease or illness can affect us in um, a different facets of our life. It can actually uh, impact different facets of who we are as human beings. And so one way that it can affect us is physically. Um, of course we have pain, right? That's, that's what it means to suffer a physical sickness, right? Um, it can, there can be hurt. There can be chronic pain and chronic pain can be really challenging. It's limiting. It actually breaks us down. It makes us less enjoyable. It makes us enjoy life less. And, and what it does too is that it actually elevates chronic pain can elevate, um, the stress hormones in your body like cortisol and it can lower the, the happy hormones like serotonin and over time your body can learn as it's trying to navigate through pain it actually can your brain chemistry changes to where you produce less serotonin the happy chemicals and you produce more things like cortisol the stress hormones as well so so suffering of suffering through sickness affects us physically it also affects us mentally. Persistent stress from physical sickness or even mental sickness can cause us to lose focus, to not be able to think straight, to be unclear in our mind. It can also affect us emotionally. We can respond to pain and sickness by feeling unloved, by feeling uncared for, and we can be really emotionally raw and sensitive, and it can also affect us relationally as well, kind of in tandem with the emotional, because that stress of that illness, that raw emotion, can actually cause relational conflict. With others who are close to us, often the people that are taking care of us are the ones that are ones that uh, that get the most rawest of our emotions and are and and get the brunt of our frustrations and so not only do we suffer but with sickness but other people around us can suffer with sickness as with our sickness as well even so all of these types of suffering are resulting from sickness what they do is they remove an element of freedom and they remove an element of security as well and actually what happens is we feel less than human when we suffer sickness and and we feel like we're wasting away don't we And and that's what Paul actually introduces in 2 Corinthians 4. He he introduces this idea of disintegration as wasting away. And so 2 Corinthians 4.16 again says, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. So Paul is saying our outer self is wasting. Now the question that we have to ask is why, right? Well, we actually have to go back to the first few pages of the Bible. Because of the fall of mankind, you see, God created us good, true, and beautiful. He created our bodies free from decay, free from wasting away. And yet, because Adam and Eve rebelled against God, they ran out away from him, they distrusted him, and they sinned against God, they introduced brokenness into the world. And that brokenness now causes decay and everything. Everything is coming apart one way or another. And we often t- don't feel like we're being renewed day by day, do we? I don't know. I know I don't feel like that all the time. And, and really what happens is our daily life often doesn't feel like renewal. It often feels like fear, which can lead to anger or disconnection. So when, when we can... When we suffer sickness, that type of wasting away in our life, it can often drive us to a first response in the midst of sickness, and that is the response of fear. So, so if you if you get that call that says you get that diagnosis or or your loved one gets that call that it's cancer or um, somebody else gets the call that um that that one of your relatives or friends, you get that call from your friend that says, "Man, this is a this is a chronic illness that's going to plague me for the rest of my life." The first thing that happens is that spark of fear. Now, I want, I want to just say that fear is normal. It is a normal human reaction to trauma and difficulty. And side note, by the way, fear is an emotion um, that's normal and natural, right? It's, it's designed to protect us. And, and that emotion can either be nurtured or negated, you can either feed your fear or you can bring your fear to Jesus. Now, I don't want you to feel guilty for feeling fear. Okay? Now, clearly, if if there was not the overarching brokenness in the world, we wouldn't have to feel fear. But because we do and because there is an overarching brokenness, that first response, that pang of fear when sickness enters into your life through your own self or through someone else, I can understand that fear. But the question is not do you feel it? The question is where do you go when you feel it. Do you nurture that fear? Do you grow that fear? Do you feed that fear? Or do you negate that fear by bringing it to Jesus? And we actually can look into the Psalms where the psalmist feels a ton of fear. Um, Psalm after Psalm talks about how the psalmist feels alone. He feels rejected by God. He feels angry and, and he feels fear. But what he's doing is he's talking to God. He's bringing his fears to God, which begins to negate the fear and replace it with faith. Look with me at Psalm 55, starting in verse 4 we actually read this a few weeks ago um, as we're reading through the Bible as a church and and this is what it said my heart is in anguish within me the terrors of death have fallen upon me fear and trembling come upon me and horror overwhelms me it sounds like this guy is afraid and I say and this is his response to it oh that I had wings like a dove I would fly away and be at rest Yes, I would wander far away. I would lodge in the wilderness, away from everyone. I would hurry to find shelter from the raging wind and tempest. We see that this psalmist is in deep turmoil. And actually, if you look at the context of it, the context is not physical sickness, but it's actually being betrayed by a friend. But I I did choose this because this is talking about this element of fear that he is feeling. And what he's doing is he's bringing it to God. He's bringing it to the Lord. And what we find is he experiences resolution and grace as he talks and concludes the Psalm by talking about how we can cast our fears onto God. And so what happens is we can either nurture fear or negate it by bringing it to God. But, but I know for me, and I don't know about for you, but oftentimes I enjoy, in some sense, nurturing my fear. It, it feels like I have an element of control. And so most often, unchecked fear that comes as a result of sickness, the sickness either in ourselves or others, unchecked fear leads us to the secondary emotions of either anger or disconnection, which often multiplies. Our pain. So if we don't check our fear, if we don't negate our fear by bringing it to Christ, what happens is, is that our fear can give birth to either anger or disconnection. So I want to first talk about disconnection. That is us saying, you know what, I'm feeling sick. I'm just going to retreat into myself and not address it. So really what this is, is a hiding. It's a lack of transparency. Um, Of course, the question hits all the time when you're sick or one of your friends are sick, or loved ones, um, how they doing? How are you doing? How's your mom doing? How's your dad doing? How's your spouse doing? How's your kid doing? You just get that all the time from people, right? And it's actually easy to slip into this mode of saying, I'm fine. We're good. We're great. Thank you. Um, What you do is you introvert into oneself and you reject help. And how that multiplies pain is, is, is it actually your self-reliance multiplies the suffering through isolation. So you actually push people away. You're not in community as you're in sickness, physical sickness. Um, and so what happens is, is you just are isolated and then it multiplies. It's like a multiplier to your pain. So that's one avenue. Certain people do that. Other people express it through anger. It can be at, at myself, it can be at others, it can be at God. Um, why is this happening to me? And really what that connects with on a deeper level is this idea of overworking, that, that this sickness in you or in someone that you know, it is just threaded through all of your life. So some people express it, by frantically trying to solve the health problems, right? It could be anger at the medical professionals, anger at yourself saying, oh, I just need to work harder to fix it. Um, You know, then for some people that have a chronic illness and respond this way through the anger or overworking, the advocacy becomes the real hope. If I can just get a solution, if I can get more money donated to this cause, then we'll solve it. And really how that multiplies pain is that self-resolution, that being consumed, it it multiplies the suffering through destroying our joy and peace. So really what it does is it just destroys your joy in the moments that you can experience joy, a felt joy, and then really it destroys your peace because you're constantly trying to solve something that, to be quite frank, might not able to be resolved. And so how we're affected by this is, is often when we experience the pain right, of sickness and that fear, if we nurture that fear like we're off to do, that gives birth to either anger, or disconnection, you know, hiding, or overworking. And what happens is, is that it, it affects us in three ways. Often, our love for God is affected in in as the pain multiplies. And and really, it's it's us saying, God, I struggle to love you because of this sickness. Like you didn't give me the health that I want. So I I don't know if I love you as much. Well, the second way it does that is is often our reception of God's love is affected, right? So it says, God, you must not love me because I'm sick, right? So I'm sick. You must not love me as much as the other kids of yours that aren't sick. And finally, often our joy and peace can be affected as well. How can I experience abiding joy and, and indescribable peace when my health or my loved one's health seems to be slipping away. And my friends, all of this is wrapped up in the disintegration of sickness. Now, I want us to turn to the next thing, is, is to look at the reality that's going on within sickness. What is actually really happening? So we talked about this, right? That's, there's the thing, right? The thing in us, the cancer, the disease, the illness, that, that we can respond to it. We can nurture the fear, and that fear can either cause us to hide or overwork. So we can feel that fear and that anger or that disconnection. Then we can struggle to love God and receive love by God and receive peace and and joy, right? But what's going on underneath? Like, what's the thing underneath the thing? What's actually going on with us? So if we go back to this idea of disintegration, it's breaking down. I want to take us back again to 2 Corinthians 4, 16 to kind of... We've looked at the surface, right? We looked at, at suffering through sickness, but what's going on underneath in our hearts? Well... Let's go back again to this, 2 Corinthians 4.16. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. So that, that word wasting away, kind of you could probably assume what that word means. It's like a decay, a spoiling, a corruption. And really what's happening on a deeper level, on top of the pain of sickness, is there's a breaking down, there's a wasting away, there's a decaying, there's a spoiling of certain things in our life. And one of the first things that we see is that our future plans are getting wrecked. Like you can't, if you have chronic illnesses or pain, or you have to go frequently to doctor's appointments, you can't develop long-term plans, you know? Your future plans get wrecked. Next, your freedom is taken away. You might not be able to do the things that you want to do. Our confidence in our health is just demolished, right? Like we used to have a confidence that our health was good, but but now we might not. And our security is getting removed. And my friends, what's really happening on a deep level is that we are entering into a period of weakness and disorientation. It's decay. It's wasting away. We're not able to rely on our health anymore. But my friends, on a deeper level, even than that, what we are seeing is the reality is that we were never able to rely on our health in the first place. You know, guys, we are one bad step away from completely being disintegrated from a wrecked body, right? You go out on a highway, you have a flat tire, you make one wrong move, and boom, your body could be completely crushed. Sickness is actually and simply seeing the reality of where we are all the time, which is unable to rely on our health. We are not able to rely on our health. Our health is not something that we can be stable because it can be gone in an instant. Sickness is not causing us to be weak. It is exposing our weakness. Let me say that again. Sickness is not causing us to be weak. It is exposing our weakness. And our weakness and our disorientation And when we recognize that, it is actually within those things that God does his best work. He does his best work in the dark. He does his best work in our weakness. And Paul introduces decay to us first by saying, don't lose heart. Why? Because it is easy to lose heart. Remember, God is writing this to you. He's writing the scriptures to you and for you and for me and for us and for his church. And so I think God has an intimate understanding of what our outer self wasting away does to us physically, mentally, emotionally and relationally. He understands you. He understands what you are going through. It might not feel like he does, but he does. And the first thing that he says when introducing the fact that he wants to renew you day by day, when he introduces the topic of being wasted away, before he says anything else, he says, "Do not lose heart. There is hope for you today if you are suffering." with sickness. Why don't we lose heart? It says because though our outer self is decaying and wasting away and entering into corruption, he says our inner self is being renewed daily. It is being made new. My friends, God is actually using our bodily decay to accomplish something. He is accomplishing our renewal day by day. This is a daily struggle to be renewed when we are suffering. And like I said at the beginning, it doesn't feel like we're renewed daily, does it? I don't feel that a lot of times, but that's because I'm not engaging in the choice to be renewed. And we're going to talk about that in a second. But my friends, when God interjects sickness, God is breaking down our security in things that are fleeting, like our health so that we can be rebuilt up to an inner self to rely completely and totally on God, who is unchanging. Our health will change. Our health will decay. One day this physical body will die, but God is unchanging, and he's entering us into a period of sickness to show us that we can rely on him. He is unchanging. My friends, this is our hope for today, because this is what's really happening. Underneath the surface, for the Christian, the Holy Spirit indwells us. He lives inside of us. He inhabits our dying. He inhabits our decaying bodies and is bringing our souls into a new life, a renewal of our life If we choose to accept it. And my friends, this is where we lead to this idea that there is a reality and a choice within sickness. So there should be a graphic that's showing up on the screen right now about how there is a reality leads us to seeing there is a choice with sickness. Now, first off, we can choose to hide and ignore the sickness, We can choose to to hide and ignore our own brokenness, And, and we will not be renewed. But what happens is we'll grow inwardly bitter and isolated in those moments, right? So we will grow inwardly bitter and isolated in those moments when we choose to hide or ignore our sickness. Second, we can choose to expose every part of our suffering of sickness to the whole world, And what'll happen is is we're just going to express our pain everywhere and we will stop relying on our bodies, but instead we'll seek to rely on other people to renew us, right? So we'll say my body's wasting away, but maybe this person can give me their pity. They can give me their support. They can give me their emotional encouragement. And what'll happen is that person will grow externally bitter when they let us down. So we can grow inwardly bitter and isolated, right? We can grow externally bitter when people let us down inevitably, or my friends, we can choose to daily engage in the renewal of God. And when we engage in the renewal of God, we will be renewed in three ways. We will be renewed in our love for, remember we talked about this earlier, we we cannot be dependent on whether he allows us to have good health. So when our health dies, when when we struggle, when we have sickness and illness and difficulty, we can still say, I love God because he has given me all of himself. Next, that we see that we can then have, a, we can be renewed in our reception of love from him. That God doesn't have to give us good health for us to be loved. That God doesn't have to prove it, that he's already proven it with Jesus on the cross. And finally, in our joy, We can be filled with joy because of his renewal of our spirit within the midst of physical sickness. We can experience a deep abiding joy as he is renewing us and saying, our joy is not based on my circumstances. It's based on what Jesus has done for us. My friends, this is the reality. This is the choice that we are faced when confronting sickness. And and again, this has been more explaining. So I've been kind of presenting, okay, this is sickness. And then this is the reality and the choice within sickness. But I want us to turn in this next session to talk about hoping. So there is a renewing and a sustaining hope that we can have even amongst sickness. My friends, suffering brings us into the heart of Christ as both our renewer and our sustainer. So he's our renewer and our sustainer. So again, going back to 2 Corinthians 4, it says, so we do not lose heart though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Listen to this next part. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. My friends, this is the vision in front of us, eternal hope being prepared for us as we are obedient to Jesus in suffering. This weight, this heaviness of glory that we cannot compare to a good life here. A good life here is not worth being compared to the weight of glory that is to come that he is preparing us for in the midst of this light, momentary affliction. That's what he calls all suffering. And let me tell you, Paul suffered quite a bit. So he says, all the suffering in my life is light and momentary, simply compared to what is to come. My friends, the center of renewal the center of our renewal and preparation is a hope and a future with Jesus. It is not centered on this life. Actually, suffering is preparing us now. Sickness is preparing us now to live like Jesus is the ultimate healer and that this life is not our home. Look with me at Philippians 3. This is Paul encouraging them again, saying, look, change your focus. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from heaven, from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will, listen to this, transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body in perfection by that power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. My friends, Paul is saying that, hey, look, you are not a citizen of the United States or another country. You are not a citizen of earth. You are a citizen of heaven. If you are a follower of Jesus, your citizenship is in heaven. And now what's interesting is he says, and from heaven we await a savior. Now you're like, wait a minute. Well, Jesus already came. He already saved us. Yes, he is in the process of saving us. So Jesus came to save us. He ultimately fulfilled the work on the cross. Throughout our lives, he's renewing us and saving us and making us more like himself. And then one day, he will come and set the world right again, either at your death or at the end of time. And so what he's saying is is that we actually are waiting for our Savior to come back to ultimately solve the problem of brokenness ultimately to solve the problem of sin and suffering and death and sickness. And he will transform our bodies. He will make our bodies to be like his, that this is the hope of the resurrection, that if Jesus resurrected, so you and I will be resurrected as well. We will be resurrected to new bodies that will never suffer sickness again. My friend, sickness is training us to look to a future hope, and this is good. But my question is, what about today? Uh, this is training us to look in the future, right? But what about today if my mom has cancer? If I might have cancer? If you're diagnosed with a chronic illness, how do I cope with my pain today? Because there is a hope of a future renewal. But there's also, suffering can bring us into the heart of Christ as sustainer for the here and now. Again, look with me at 2 Corinthians 4, starting now in verse 18. And then this is what he says, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to things that are unseen. For things that are seen are transient, but things that are unseen are are eternal. My friend, suffering brings us into the heart of Christ as sustainer. See, and it he, he has two things. It actually in, instructs us in two things, that our vision can change and our understanding can change. Look with me at the first section. It says, look not to the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. It's a change of vision. It's a change of focus. What we, What he's encouraging us to see is that we don't see things with natural eyes anymore, but we see with spiritual eyes that we first look at our sickness and our suffering and our decaying bodies. Our vision of those things is those things are transient. Those things are passing away. But then he tells us that we look to the things that are unseen. We look beyond the natural, to the supernatural, that God is doing something in the midst of our sickness that only he can do in our hearts that he's using sickness to lead us into a vision change. Not only that, but he says our understanding can change. For, he says, he says, for the things that are seen are transient. The things that are unseen are eternal. So why do we shift our vision? That's a, that's a question of purpose, right? For, the reason why we shift our vision to look not at things that are seen, but things that are unseen. For, because, because the things that are seen are transient. So why look away from the things that we can see? Because the things we see are fleeting. Health is fleeting. Our bodies are a temporary tent that Paul says just in a few minutes. Then he says, why look to the things that are unseen and eternal? Because they are everlasting. True life is ahead of us beyond the death of our bodies. And in just a few verses down from that verse, Paul continues on in 2 Corinthians 5, starting in verse 4, he says these words. He says, for while we are still in this tent, that's referring to our bodies, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He's saying that we are groaning in this tent. It's a temporary dwelling place so that we can one day be fully clothed with real life with Jesus. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God. Listen to this, who has given us his spirit as a guarantee. He says that one day this temporary body of yours is gonna fall away. You're gonna get an eternal body. I'm gonna prove it by putting my Holy Spirit inside of you. So then he says, so then we are of good courage, right? So this leads us in the midst of suffering and affliction to be of strong, sound mind and heart. We are of good courage. We know that while we are at home in this body, we are away from the Lord for walk by faith, not by sight. My friends, our vision changes. We look to the spiritual. Our understanding changes. We hope in the eternal. Now, I want to end with some practical advice, and specifically, how then do we suffer well? How do we suffer through sickness? If you're going through it today, this week, bodily decline, how do we do this? My friends, if you are not yet a follower of Jesus, then unfortunately, I have some bad news for you, but I also have some good news. The bad news is this hope is not yet present within you, that actually you have to be a Christian to experience this hope, You have to be a follower of Jesus because what you're saying is you want Jesus to become Lord over your life and his kingdom, his rule and his reign to rule in your heart. What you have to do is you have to believe in the real physical sufferings of Jesus, his substitutionary death on your behalf, his real bodily resurrection, and then you submit to him as Lord over your life. That is actually what makes you a Christian. And without being a follower of Jesus, through a volitional choice— you don't yet have the hope of a future with Jesus or His sustaining presence in your life. And so my encouragement to you is this, to turn away from the ways that you try to save yourself and to turn towards Jesus in repentance and faith, to truly hear this message, believe it's true for you, and obey it by making Jesus Lord over your life. Now, if you are a follower of Jesus, it is still hard to experience hope, let me tell you. But for the follower of Jesus, he is the model of how to suffer well. So you look to Jesus and, and look, I don't know about you, but I'm not perfect, and I'm going to put my next paycheck on the fact that you're not either, okay? But Jesus was completely perfect in every way, yet he suffered immense physical pain unlike anyone else in human history. Jesus was completely perfect, yet was a man of sorrows. The Bible says he was well acquainted with grief. Jesus was completely perfect, yet he experienced the sickness of a loved one up close and personal. We know for sure this happened with the death of his friend Lazarus. But we also know, too, that Jesus' father was not present when he was an adult. His adopted father, Joseph. And I actually think that, that Joseph died when Jesus was fairly young. Because we see his mom at the foot of the cross, and we see his brothers, but we see no mention of Jesus' adopted earthly father joseph um after he was 12 years old and so i actually think that jesus saw his father die and i think he walked with his father through that death now that's not uh, that's just that's just a, a conjecture but i think it's a reasonable one considering the text but we know for certain that jesus saw his friends up close die and we know that he saw that with lazarus my friends jesus was completely perfect yet he struggled to know how to process his physical turmoil and when his friends suffered he cried we know that he was processing through that in the Garden of Gethsemane. How do I deal with this physical suffering? Is there any way to ta- take it away? Please remove it, God. But he says, not my will, but yours be done. We know that even at the, de- at the tomb of his friend Lazarus, when he saw the suffering of Lazarus's sisters, he cried. My friends, this reintegration is Jesus pulling us back together again. Now I wanna bring us, there's a graphic that's gonna appear on your screen. And it's gonna be how to engage with the renewal of God daily in the midst of sickness. I want to leave us with practical, measurable steps on how we can move forward as it relates to sickness. The first is identify the real battle. My friends, you are not fighting your sickness, you're fighting your sin. What you are fighting is to believe the gospel. Now clearly we want you to employ every measure possible um, medically to help solve the problem of sickness, right? However, the real problem is not sickness. The real problem is your sin. And it's the disbelief in the gospel. So you're fighting to believe the gospel is true in the midst of sickness. I want you to remember God's character. God's core nature is love and grace. You are not condemned because you are sick and God is not punishing you. This is just the effects of the fall. I want you to remember how to see suffering, the J-curve. We talked about this last week. We're gonna talk about this next week. But you are identifying with Jesus in his weakness so you might experience his resurrection. Next, I want you to pray. I want you to go to God with your fear and anger. Use suffering to drive you to intimacy with Jesus, not away from Jesus. Don't nurture your fear, negate your fear by bringing it to the Lord. Meditate. So don't just pray, but also meditate. Think, really process through what you're feeling, but don't just listen to your heart, talk to your heart. Let me tell you, your heart is not always right, okay? Your heart can speak lies to you. Bible even says the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. Who can trust it? Right? So, so don't just listen to your heart, although I want you to understand what you're feeling and be present with your emotions. But I want you to talk and speak the truth of God to your heart. And finally, commune. Don't draw away from community in the midst of sickness, but engage with others who are safe. My dad, even when he was suffering from ALS and he couldn't move, he was dying, he loved being with people. It helped him. But there is a discipline to being able to do that. And when you isolate, it multiplies your suffering. So my friends, in conclusion, um, uh, the question, like I said, that comes up all the time is, how are you doing? How's your loved one doing? And there's a, a famous theologian named D.A. Carson, and he wrote this beautiful response to that question. And when someone said, hey, how you doing? He, he wrote and said, I'm not suffering from anything that a good resurrection can't fix. And I just love that because you and I, there is a cap to our suffering. One day we will end this life of suffering. And we will be with Christ. And my friends, you have a God who is carrying you through the suffering. Look with me at Isaiah 46 as we end. It says, listen to me, O house of Jacob, all the remnant of the house of Israel who have been born by me from before your birth, carried from the womb, even to your old age, I am he and to gray hairs, I will carry you. I have made and I will bear, I will carry and I will save. My friends, our sickness is present to remind us, well, to be quite honest, to remind us of Jesus. Jesus was completely spiritually healthy, yet he suffered immensely in his physical body. But Jesus' physical pain was nothing compared to his spiritual and emotional pain. You see, Jesus suffered the ultimate sickness of sin on the cross. He bore the weight of all our sin and guilt and shame. Jesus was completely disintegrated. He was completely broken down. Jesus suffered the ultimate sickness so that he could earn for us the ultimate cure. His resurrection promises a future hope of a renewing redemption of our bodies, complete healing. He promises that. You and I have it. It's already secured for us through the work of Christ on the cross. We just have to believe and receive it for us in faith and then engage in that renewal daily. My friends, his resurrection secures for us a present hope of Christ as sustainer. He's with you in your sufferings. He is present in your sickness and he is teaching you how to look at suffering beyond the physical to the ultimate reality, life and renewal day by day with him. Let me pray for us. Dear Jesus, thank you that you are present with us in the midst of suffering. and I pray for anyone that might be listening to this as it premieres live throughout the week or maybe months or years after this is preached. Lord, I pray specifically for my friends who are dealing with sickness that you would help them see that you have a renewing hope that one day you'll set the world right again and you have a sustaining hope that says in the midst of your suffering I am with you I'm teaching you that actually the suffering is simply me exposing you to what you already are you're not you're weak and when we turn to you in weakness you give us your strength and you give us your hope and joy in the midst of it. And I pray that we would turn to you and have the discipline to turn to you in the midst of this. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening. We gather every Sunday at the Clarksville area YMCA. For more information, please go to our website at redeeminghope.org.